do. And those are my last announcements. I'd like to uh, title this little message that I will be speaking on. Just maybe a little different. It's called The Bride's Defining Moment. The Bride's Defining Moment. We get defined by a lot of things. And people will will look at you for certain reasons. And they say, well, she is so-and-so. She's like this. They define you by your actions, your deeds, how you live. And so now we're coming to a time where we're going to be defined by what we believe. And so now we're coming to this junction, this why. We're ready for rapture. So it's a defining moment. And may you rise to the challenge that we will meet that moment head on with a promise of God. All right. Now that you've been uh, sorry you're standing now, we'll read the Bible. Thank you. I just needed to hear that song, Ben. Thank you very much. God bless you, musicians. The Bride's Defining Moment. So I'm going to take you to a, a different scripture. I don't think I've read, I've preached on it before, ever. And um, you just help me. It'll be Matthew 26, verse 13. Matthew 26, verse 13. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman, what she's done, be told for a memorial of her. Verse 14. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will you give me that I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted. They made a covenant now with Judas. With him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. I want you to take special note of verse 16. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. May God add his blessing to his word. You may have your seats. Very interesting scripture. Of course, to the believer, many of us will go uh, to our minds and we'll start to think that Brother Branham preached the message from that time. And this is from that moment. It's a different uh, scripture reading. Brother Branham read out of, out of the scriptures, I believe, out of Matthew 12. And he said, from that time, this, uh, the gospel was to be preached. And I wanted to take a look at this because it's a moment. It's not a time or a season. It's not a space of time. And there's a very different uh, words within the Greek language or within the understanding of reading scripture. 
Time is uh, defined by various words. You can go chronos, which is season of time. Or you can go keros, which is for that moment of time. So it was just in a moment that Judas betrayed Jesus. It just took a moment to deny Christ. It just took a moment for Satan himself to try and hamper the gospel of Jesus Christ. It just takes a moment. And a lot of times we we look at our, our lives and as time goes on, we have such crutches that we use to uphold, uphold ourselves so that we don't fall. And a lot of times we find out the church was a crutch. And we use church because if I don't get the church, you know, I, I need to be refilled. And this is not a refilling station. This is a place where we gather together to glorify the King of Glory. This is a place, it's a house of God, it's a sanctuary, where we can actually pour out our hearts before Him and look to Him. One brother said, why do you come to church? And his answer was, he says, I just wanted to show the devil whose side I'm on. That's why I come to church. Well, a lot of times people use that, again, as a a social structure. And such infinitesimal things in a moment causes people to betray their Jesus. It's just a moment. And this is what I'd like to speak on, not on the negative. You got that already. But I want to say just in a moment, God can transform your life just in a moment. He can move you into heavenly places you have not experienced. It only takes a moment. And that starts then to define who you are. A lot of people get defined at funerals. We always hear the good things at funerals. We never hear the bad things. Always the good things. I don't know. They got a special brush. Everybody goes to heaven when you go to a funeral. But it seems like people pick out a defining point that was good. And they always say, they did this, and they did this, and they did this. And you say, I never knew they did that. And, and all these say, why? I wish I had more time with that person. I didn't know they, they could do that. But a person's defined not just by just a series of moments, but collectively all moments. So now we have to take a look at these times and we say, well, these are definitely weird times, Brother Tom. But don't fall from the gospel and be defined by the enemy that you couldn't finish the course. That will define you. And I'll get into the meaning of uh, the defining and what that all means in a moment. But this is the bride's defining time. This will actually is the time will define you who's a believer and who's not a believer. Not the COVID-19. The rapture will define the believer. Because only believers are going to be raptured. Only those that have been redeemed of God. 
Now, if, if we just take a look and, and, and just lay a little foundation for ourselves, we can see that in any area of our lives, there's defining moments for everybody. We have people that are sports people, and they're defined by how athletic they are and how much money they make. And they think that that is their end all, and that defines them. You have it in hockey, you have it in every sport, soccer, you have it in golf, everybody. There's a, there's things that define people. If you say Nike, you say Tiger Woods, because Tiger Woods and Nike had formed an elite alliance with money, and that defines him. He doesn't wear, uh, Cleveland, or he doesn't wear Titleist, he doesn't, he's defined by what he is, and that's, that's what Tiger Woods has defined himself. We have very rich people in business. And they define themselves by how rich they are. And of course, you've got the top 500 in America who are the richest men. And it's defined by dollars and dollars and cents and how rich you are and how much you've achieved. And, and you have a, um, you have your, uh, Bill Gates. You've got your Warren Buffetts. You've got your thing. And they're defined by their success in dollars. And you say, well, they're very successful. They have a lot of money and that, that sort of defines them it gives them an identity it gives them a reason for themselves to to exist if i said to you this morning and those that are on the internet and those that are here uh, i would like to define uh, the slums of india and if i said what about the slums of india many of us who have grown up have of course heard of mother Teresa, and she becomes identified and defined by her works in India, in the slums of India. And she is notarized for that. Nations like to be defined as the most powerful nations. And by definition of power, they talk military. By their military, they talk warfare. By warfare, they tell you how many bombs they got, or how many planes they have, or how many ships they have. That defines the nation. Their political structure. We say Russia. They're communists. That defines them. It tells us what their their political stature is. And then we can talk about China and Korea, North Korea. And we we find out that very quickly we've been geared to define people. It doesn't take much. I look at David and say, well, what can define David? Well, if I drive in his in his uh, driveway, I see his hunting trailer, and I say, oh, Dave likes to hunt. Things we do define us. Things we say define us. Actions define us. How do you want to be defined? Is a good question. But now we have to come to the realization there's going to be a defining moment. Where all these defining features come to a climax. And this climax is called the body change. So it's not a, it's not a, a striking thought as such because we have known that and I'd like to just continue on. If I said Michelangelo very quickly, you would say he's defined. How what is he defined? He was a fisherman. No, he was not a fisherman. That doesn't define him. Oh, he was a sports player. Really, that does not define the man. But what defines him is his art. And we know that he accomplished great accomplishments. But they said that his greatest accomplishments, Dad, was when he was 87. His greatest art 
was at 87. That defined him. Look at all those years he lived. Fantastic. Uh, you know, the 16th chapel or the you know, mother, what is it, um, uh, Mary holding Jesus. And you have these statues. You got your Moses statue. But the greatest of his art only came, Marilyn, right to the end of his life at 87. You're just beginning. I just threw that in. John Wesley's defined. He is defined by what he did, by his actions, his deeds. A man who preached 40,000 sermons, traveled 225,000 miles on the back of a horse. England, I didn't even know was that big. But his defining told you his burden and what was his life. He lived on a horse, preached five times a day, is amazing. We could talk about Israel and, and we can talk about Ben-Gurion or Golden Meir and we can talk about the Seventh Day War and we can say how God watched over Israel and He is indeed watching over Israel. God gave them that land and don't let any devil try to tell them that it's not their land. But they're defined by the star of David. And they're not ashamed to wear it. They're not ashamed to be identified with it. I hope I can get you to a point that we have to be defined. We can go to Peter Mark Rogers. And of course, many of you people probably don't even know who that is now that we have the computer age. But Rogers published the thesaurus at 73. And so thus he's defined by his deeds. He's defined what he did. How about Albert Schweitzer? For many that know that name. At 87 again. 87. At 87, he headed the hospitals in Africa. Shall we get to Benjamin Franklin and the inventions that he invented? And at 81, he was instrumental in writing the U.S. Constitution. Defining. You don't talk about Ben Franklin and say your eyeglasses were discovered, made by Ben Franklin. But as soon as you say Constitution, you know that he was one of the fathers to craft such an incredible document. What a definition or what a defining of somebody. So then, you know, as we've gone on and, and we say, well, Brother Tom, you're, you're talking about years to define. No, I'm talking about just a moment. That's just a blip in time that people, they've done all, they've lived their whole lives, but they say 87, Michelangelo, 87, Ben, Benjamin Franklin, 81, Schweitzer. So it can be just the moment that God has been preparing you for the major moment. So I want to say, God is defining us as the bride of Jesus Christ through the word, through the ages. But there is a defining moment called the change of the body. 
And that's what we're living for. And we will press to that prize. We will not give up. They never gave up, Joseph. They pressed the mark. They defined themselves. This is who I am. This is what I believe. And if you really believe in something, you'll do something. If you really believe in what you believe, you will act what you believe. Say, one of the founding fathers of America, the first president of the United States, George Washington, he was general and head of the Continental Army. He was a failure. He never won a battle until a defining moment came. He said, well, I'm just plodding on. I I said, get up. Fall, get up. Fall, get up. He would not give up because he had a vision that America needed to be free from the enemy. He wouldn't give up. He wouldn't quit. He saw his dearest friends slaughtered. But he would not give up. He wasn't given enough supplies to fight the battles. He didn't have enough guns to to shoot. He didn't have swords to cut. He didn't have what was needed. But he found a defining moment. That at Trenton, crossing the Delaware, there was the Hessians, who were the uh, mercenaries from Germany that were fighting for for, uh, Britain. And they had had Christmas dinner. And they had all their fineries. They had all their liquor. They had all their feasts. And George Washington said, I will get them Boxing Day morning. We will cross at night time. We don't have shoes on our feet. We have nothing. But I'm going to win this battle. You say, well, I never won the last one. You're going to win this one. you got to keep on looking at what God has defined us by. We are the elected lady. We are the chosen of God. There's not enough devils that's going to stop you and I defining the Bible. We shall be changed in a moment. In a twinkling of an eye. You will have your battles. You will say, oh, Brother Trump, I I don't know how I'm going to get through this. You will get through this. It doesn't matter, saints, what you're going through right now. God's going to define you by the final battle. Define us, Father. Define me. George Washington, he won the battle. He went in there. They didn't lose one person. They went in. They routed up the Hessians. Their armor, oh, you're embarrassed by the shiningness of their silver helmets and their sabers and their fineries of battle. And here comes this rag, tag, little group under George Washington. Walked in there and defeated the devil. I want you to know this morning, you can walk into any promise you got. And you can defeat the devil anytime, any place, anywhere. So here's a man who believed in a cause. Here's a man that fought for the cause. Here was the, here's a man that didn't wait for somebody else to do it, young man. What can I do? What's my place? I'll do anything to further this gospel. 
He was determined. One of his closest generals who didn't believe in his calling turned on him. Everybody gets a Judas. Everybody gets a Judas. One of his generals turned on him. Said, if you think you're going to beat the Hessians, I'm not with you. You know what George Washington said? He said, sir. And he called another general. He said, escort this man outside the grounds. And if he even turns around, shoot him. And if he says anything of these tactics, shoot him. George Washington knew exactly where he stood. Didn't matter how close men were to him or not to him. He caught the vision and he stayed within his vision. He came to that place and won. Beat the greatest superpower on earth called the Brits. The Brits, the British. He beat them. He won. And he became then the first president of the United States of America. I could ask any one of you today, did that define him? What was his defining moment? So that's a great victory. But you know what they say the defining moment for George Washington was? They wanted to crown him then king of America. A king. Caesar wanted to be king. Napoleon wanted to be king. Power without character is satanic. And he had the power of America at his feet. They wanted to crown him king. Here is George Washington's defining moment. He surrendered his power. Two civilians. It was unheard of. Normally, it's the military ruling over the civilians. But now, George Washington's defining moment was, I want to give all my power back to the people. Amazing. Because, hey, Oliver Cromwell... He wanted the power. Caesar wanted the power. Napoleon Bonaparte wanted the power. Mei Zedong, Mao Zedong wanted power. Muammar Gaddafi, he wanted the power. They're the best examples I could give you that you would even know their name of. But George Washington didn't want the power. He wanted the freedom. He wanted the people to be free from anarchy. And that's what we want for you this morning. Free from the devil. Free from circumstance. Free from COVID. Free from everything. Keep in the vision. You will be defined. Because the bride's defining moment, Ella, will be the change. Will be the change. Listen to Brother Branham. He says, now in Christ the mystery, God revealed... We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Paul says, let us put on the mind of Christ. Brother Bram says, we have the mind of Christ. So we're only going to think what our mind tells us. Put on the mind of Christ. 
So Brother Bram says, you have the mind of Christ. What is that mind, he said? What is it? Christ expressing himself through you. What a moment. What a moment that was, Ella. One moment. I met God at an altar. In one moment. Took drugs and everything away. In one moment. God, rich in mercy, was going to come down and dwell within me. Dwell within you. Only a moment. We can look at the moments. We can say, from that time they took that first cigarette. Or from that time they took that first drink. You can always look at the negative. But I want to look at the positive today. It only took a moment to make that decision. It only took a moment to say, yes, Lord. I'll surrender everything. I'll do whatever it takes, Lord. You're my rest. You're my peace. You're my everything. It just takes a moment, and that moment will define you. I'll give you a little testimony. When I gave my heart to Christ, my brothers wanted nothing to do with me. They never wanted anything to do with me even when I was little. I was always the littlest guy. I was the tag-along. They were five, three years older, five years older. Never wanted their little brother to tag along. Then I get saved. I come home on a Friday night after a glorious meeting. and There they are having a few drinks up on the sun deck at my mom and dad's home just down the street here. And they said, we want to talk to you, boy. I said, okay, I'll talk to you. So I sat down in their chair and... They had a couple of drinks under their belt. and They said, you ruin our family. You've caused mom and dad such heartache and headache. You were their golden boy. You had promise. You were in university. You're going to do something with yourself. And if they get to listen to this tape, they can listen to this tape. They might get close enough to the kingdom yet. And I said, just this minute, fellas, just one minute. I said, you know what's defining you? Is that bottle. It took a bottle for you to have a drink so that you could confront me. I don't need a bottle. I got Christ. And so, you know me, I'm sort of straight. And I started to get up. They said, where are you going? Sit down. We haven't talked to you yet. No, I said, I'm going to walk out of this conversation. Because if I walk out, I know you won't blaspheme God. And your soul means more to me. So Christ started to define my moments. And I'm so privileged to be able to be identified with him. So I started to speak about him. Speak about this one that gave me peace and deliverance and joy in the Holy Ghost. One brother says to me, Don't you ever mention the name of Jesus Christ in my presence again. I said, well, if he's not welcome, I'm not welcome. He was defined at that moment, and so was I. I had to make my stand. Family, listen, Jesus said, unless you forsake mother, father, sister, brother, you have no part of me. Remember that, saints. But it also says, if you forsake mother, father, sister, brother, I'll give you mother, father, sister, brother. Hallelujah! A hundredfold! 
A hundredfold. And I can say it's true. It's true. But with persecution. I don't mind to be defined with that. And so they said, no, we don't want you ever to speak that. But I lived a life. God came in my life. Gave me Joanne. Gave me children I couldn't have. And years go down the road. Forty years go down the road. Forty-five years go down the road. And that brother that would have nothing to do with me drove into this parking lot last week. And I walked around this church showing him. That's where we have prayer meetings. That's where we transcribe or translate up in that room. That's where it goes around the world on the web page. And Len, you might be listening this morning. And I hope you are. Jesus Christ will define you in a greater way in a moment. You say, Brother Tom, I said to Brother Ed, I said, oh, I said, I feel ashamed. I haven't prayed for them for years. And then Sister Ruth said, well, she said, prayers are prayers before the throne of grace. And I said, that's exactly right. God never forgets a prayer. Forty-five years. Forty-five years. God's been defining us. Some of you more. Fifty. Some sixty. But there's going to be not only just a defining there's going to be a defining moment. And that is the hour we're looking for. Christ expressing himself through you. Shows that it's him. You've lost your mind. I say praise God. I lost my mind, Nathan. You've lost your mind. A real man will lose his own thoughts and his own thinking. You'll come up with your right senses and Christ takes you over and now starts expressing himself to you. He starts defining himself through you. How could this mind come of Christ? How could this mind come? Let this mind that was in Christ be in you. How could it come without God sending a prophet? How would we know the mind of God? Because God can't do nothing until first he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. So God had to have a prophet on the scene. So God has a prophet now. It's not speaking his thoughts. Because when he would come and he would let the Lord use his body. He said, whatever he said. Is that right, sir? Whatever he said. Isn't that right, sister dear? Isn't that right? It was God using his prophet. And God was using him at this junction to define a people what Christianity really is. We didn't know that the United Church wasn't Christians. Oh, boy, I can hear that one ripple all the way over into a never-never land. I never understood that the Anglicans weren't Christians. I never understood that the Methodists weren't Christians. People say, I take offense to that, Brother Tom. Well, I take offense that you believe that. Don't I have a place I can say? 
A Christian then means Christ-like. So then to be Christ-like, you have to live like Him. That's what defines you. So not everybody that says they're a Christian is a Christian. Not all Israel is Israel. So then your actions prove who you are. Your actions define what you believe. Whether people like it or not, it defines you. If you're going to be a man, be a real man. If you're going to be a woman, be a real woman. If you're going to be a Christian, be a real Christian. Listen, the reason my brother and I, now you can erase this off the tape. The reason why my oldest brother and I never really saw eyeball to eyeball, he was five years older than me and he always thought he was my dad. Kept on telling me what to do. I said, I got one dad, thanks. I don't need you to tell me what to do. And I don't need the devil to tell me what to do. You are not defined by what people think. You're defined by your actions. People can think a lot of things. If you would have asked my brother, define Tom Ray. He'd say, he's a fanatic. He's crazy. He's worse than the Jesus people. He's a Mooney. He's worse than a Mooney. But I don't care what people define me as. As long as Jesus defines me as a son or a daughter of God. How are you defined, Brother Tom? You're defined by putting on the mind of God. And by putting that on, that means God is claiming you. Only those that God calls gets his mind. Sorry. Sorry, folks. These people that come and go and they got so much to say. I always say, you know, you're just a canary brain. Brother Branham already gave us your type and shadow. All you got is some gray matter, a little bit more maybe than some. But I don't have the gray matter. I got the real matter. What Christ thinks really matters. I don't care what you say. My identification is in Jesus Christ. Brother Branham said, are you identified in him? Are you a part of him? Is that what's defining us today? We didn't even know how to live like Christ until God came down in this generation. We didn't have a clue how to think, how to act. How to speak. Pastors didn't know how to be pastors. Didn't even know how to baptize. They didn't know the great mysteries of God that God was going to unveil. Didn't have a clue. But their theological understanding defined them. And I will be defined by what God is doing. Brother Ram said, what God is doing, he's perfecting us through his word. He's defining the people. So now he says, do you want Jesus? Do you want him to search your heart this morning? It only takes a moment. So maybe there's a young person and maybe there's a daddy today that says, I, I, I'm listening to Brother Tom this morning and I, I sort of haven't been doing really well. It only takes a moment. 
Let Jesus search your heart. Only take some moments. Say, Lord, here I am. Lord, forgive me. And only, Brother Bram said, takes a moment to change your mind. Let this mind that was in Christ, he said, in defecation, let it be in you. That change of mind changes your character, and your character is what defines you. I hope you're getting this, saints. Because it takes, it's by taking on the word, and that word now coming in you, and you start to identifying yourself with it, that mind changes your character, and your character starts defining who you are. It just takes a moment. Let Christ, he'll change your character. He'll change your mind. If anywhere I have failed to punctuate your word, Father, your word, Lord, come behind it and change me. That's all we want. It takes a moment. Change me, Lord. Change me. I'm your servant. I want to be Lord. Help me. Help everyone that is in here. Help me. Help me in this moment. Now I'll take a look at the word moment. I alluded to it. It's keros. K-A-I-R-O-S. And if you look it up in the Greek, even in the definition says it's a keros moment. It's a keros moment. And in a keros moment, it's at a moment in time where God unveils himself. How beautiful. How beautiful. It's a moment of time that God unveils himself. See? A moment of your change. He says now, he says, God in that moment starts to show you his eternal purpose. It just takes a moment, David. It just takes a moment. God, rich in mercy, starts changing your mind. Starts to create a new character. He's invited you, Brother Bram said, in identified characteristics of God. He's invited you to have your character molded by him, which is the word. So then as you're being molded to that character... You're putting on the mind of God. And in that moment, or in, in that moment, God wants to unveil himself and show you his eternal purpose in your life. It's amazing. Amen. It's amazing. God deals with men in a moment. It just takes a moment. And that is why there's so much distractions that are take place in Laodicea. Because he knows if you'll just give God a moment, he will start to show you his eternal purpose for you. But he busies your mind. He occupies it with news. He occupies it with what's going on. The economy. What I can't do and what I cannot do. We get defined by what busies our mind. But we need to cast it down. And let God in that eternal purpose show you what God has for you in your life. It just takes a moment. It took a moment. Here's a little widow woman. It just took a woman. A little widow woman. She's picking up some sticks. 
It didn't take a preaching like I have this morning. It just took a moment to hear the voice of God. Bring me a drink. It just took a moment. And Brother Bram said, what she heard was the thought of God coming to her. Mm. God was showing her purpose. Keep the prophet alive. <laughs> so she took the drink. And Brother Ram said, at one place he said, she heard the voice of thunder. Think about it. She got up that morning. Brother Ram so wonderfully speaks on it. And many times, Elijah in the meal offering, God called man. He speaks of it often. But it was just in a moment. And many times it's in a service. It's just a word or a moment. And God speaks to you. And you start to say, God, is that you speaking to me? It's taking a moment. Give God a moment this morning. Give God a moment. Say, Jesus, come in. Do what you need to do. Show me your eternal purpose for me. Show me my chaos moment. Show me what God called me to, Ben. We have a purpose in life. And God calls us for that purpose. God's moment. Another definition of that moment. And I, I love this one. It's stigma. Yeah, you'll get a stigma. That's where the word stigma comes from. If you give God a moment, you'll get a stigma. (laughs) But the real meaning of that means to make his mark. God wants to put his stamp of approval on you and make his mark. But he can only do it if you give him a moment. What do you think it says? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, God deals in moments. So I just came to church. Oh, you may have expected to hear this. But God can deal with your heart in a moment. Just takes a moment. Just takes a time where you're willing to say. As Paul said, behold, I'll show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. When? Who can finish that for me? In a, what? Moment. God is going to stamp his seal of approval. And he's going to say, she's mine. He's mine. That will be your defining Moment. Just a moment. By the time you're taking more than a moment to get this across. Good. I'll take a few more moments if you don't mind. Just been an hour. Just give me a few more minutes. It was just a moment. And so often we say, can you give me a moment? You know, I, I hated that expression until I, I started studying this. Because everybody says, can I just have a moment? And I go, no. I won't give you a moment because you'll take an hour, I know. But they, wanna, they want that, uh, you know, that little hook in you. Can you give me a moment? For every one of those moments, I'd love a dollar. Nobody takes a moment, but that's all God wants. That's all he wants. 
He wants just a moment and he'll define your life for the rest of your life. It was that moment. I don't know whether it was Michael or whoever was preaching on it a while back. But in Gethsemane, the greatest battle that was ever fought was there at Gethsemane. Brother Bram says this in communion. Now, if God did not spare his own son from cruel testing, then he will not spare you or I from cruel testing. And Jesus was here confronting the greatest test that he had ever had. Gethsemane laid before him. Where that once and final, all-sufficient test must come. When the burden of the entire world laid on his blessed shoulders, there was no one in all heaven or earth could have ever stood it but him. Think about it. And to know that all the sins, think about it now. Take me a moment. All sin, past sin, Brother Bram says, all sin, present sin, future sin, rested on this decision. And it was one of the most greatest victories that Christ ever won or proved his great Messiahship as when he said in a moment, not my will, but thy will be done. What a moment, saints. What a moment. He defeated the enemy in a moment. And if you can't praise him in your room today, I say you've got the wrong God living in your heart. But I want to say, bless his holy name. Glory to his name. Worthy is the lamb, for he's worthy of all praise. Because it was a moment. No man could have stood it, he said. But Jesus stood it. And he bore it on his shoulders. All sin from past, present, and future. But let me look into the unseen as we've been speaking for the last three, three or four services. There he was making a decision to go to Calvary. But there were angels at their position just waiting for him to say, I won't do it. But you didn't see that realm. But a prophet came in this generation and said, there they were, sitting on every limb of every tree. There they were watching, waiting for that moment. But in that moment, he said, it's not my will, Father, but thy will be done. I'll go to Calvary. I'll surrender for Tom. I wonder whether or not you could do that in a moment right now. Lord, I could surrender for you. We have many examples. We could take the woman at the well. It just took a moment when the Messiah comes. He'll tell us. It only took a moment for Rebecca to make a decision to water those camels. It always takes just a moment. Can you take a moment this morning? 
Can you take a moment to break out of all your shell of personality and say, oh, Lord, you're more than life to me. I want to be that defining moment for you to show Satan that there is an Eve that won't fall. And it's more than an expression. It's defining moments coming to a climax. Angels, he said, were taking their position to see what his final decision would be. They took their position. They wanted to let them know, you know what they're going to do to you at Calvary? They're going to strip you naked. They're going to beat you to a pulp. They're going to put a thorn of crowns on you. You're going to be marked more than any other man. No man could have taken it. But this man, Christ Jesus, and in a moment, he said, not my will, thy will be done. I wonder whether you could take a moment and say, I will surrender everything that I am, every decision that I make, Lord. I want it to be a defining moment to your glory and to your honor. Let's take that moment this morning. Can you imagine? My Bible says that Judas sought opportunity to betray him. He sought an opportunity to betray, betray the Lamb of God, the fountain of love, the King of glory. He was seeking a moment. And he sought it. And he got it. And it defined him. A son of perdition. That was his defining moment. But what's your defining moment this morning? As I've laid this foundation maybe for the next two services. What's your defining moment going to be? Live the way that you lived or are you going to be more determined to press the battle? Is this, is this what's taking place now? You think God cares about what's happening in COVID-19? He could care less. But he's got his eye on you and I this morning. And may, by the grace of God, maybe catch the thought of God for a moment. That you can say, hey, I don't want to be defined by Laodicea. I want it to be defined, defined by the word of God that has come in my generation. I'm defined as a believer. I'm going to take my opportunity. If Satan, the son of perdition, could look for an opportunity to betray Jesus in a moment, can you take an opportunity this morning and look to Jesus and say, I'm tired of living this way. I want to live in a victorious way. I don't want to be defined as a lukewarm Laodicean. I want to define as a son of the living God. What's your decision going to be? Are you going to seek the opportunity? Are you going to seek it? Or are you just going to let that moment go by? Like many other moments in time. But you'll take... The urging and the beckoning of the Holy Spirit. Just give me a moment. Please.
Can you give me a moment to change your heart? Please. This is your opportunity. I don't know who it's for. I don't know. But God's speaking to somebody. Has to be somebody who wants to give him a moment. Somebody wants to fall on their knees. Somebody. If the son of perdition could seek an opportunity for a moment to destroy him, can't you give him a moment? Seek this morning, Sunday morning service, an opportunity to say, here I am, Lord. Prepare me for that testing and changing day. Oh, fire of God, would you burn in my soul? Give me a defining moment that the preacher just doesn't have it. The elders just don't have it, but we all have that moment. Those that are sons and daughters of God. Can you give him an opportunity? I know Brother Brown did. I know he was tired of living his life. He didn't know even how to approach God, but he wrote a note down. Tacked it on a tree. He thought maybe God would come by and read his note. He took the opportunity to be defined for Christ. Can you define yourself this morning and say, Here's my cup, Lord. You have no excuse. There's nobody in this church to look at. Nobody to be worried about. You're in your own little home. Your own little place. But if the son of perdition could seek an opportunity to betray him in a moment, then can't the sons and daughters of God take this opportunity not to betray him, but to glorify him and define him by saying, my blessed Savior. That you can say, oh, what a Savior. You'll be defined by something. I trust it isn't a legacy that will be spoken at a funeral that only the good things are said. But I trust your legacy of your defining moments will be defined and say he was a true Christian. Musicians, please come. Yeah, we could go on. I got a lot of pages. But maybe this Sunday morning... It's not how much we know, not how much we can quote and show you our, our intelligence. It's how much your heart wants Jesus. Do you want to give an opportunity this morning? Maybe everybody would bow their head. Say, that wasn't deep. Well, it was deep enough for me, and here I am 45 years down the road. So I had an opportunity one night to come. 
Nobody wanted me to go to that little house. But it became a defining moment for 45 years. I didn't know where to go. But Jesus knew where I needed to go. It was a defining moment. I've got so many examples. We got a pastor who was on a lot with a prophet. That was a defining moment. Sought opportunity, sure. But how about you this morning? Where's your log? Where's your bench? Where's your Chesterfield? Where's your sofa? Where's your rug? Where, where, where do you want to kneel this morning? I don't want to be defined as a hockey, golf player, soccer player. I don't, don't, I don't want to be defined as a businessman. I don't want to be defined as that. <laughs> Excuse me. Heavenly Father, Lord, just a, a little thought. But it changed my life that moment, Lord. Maybe I, I was a little deceptive. Maybe I didn't want to tell anybody I was going down there that night. But a pastor was ministering. I'm sure he didn't even recognize me. But you did. I saw an opportunity and I thought that devil, that Judas, the carrot, the carrot, seeking an opportunity. Well, if he can't, we can. I'm surrounded by men and women of God that have done that, Lord. Years of it. Yep, people have turned away. Yep. They played their part as Judas. Yes, they have. But you were there all the time, Lord. You were my comfort when I needed comforting. You were my strength and weakness. So, Lord, I don't have anybody in mind. You know that. But it thrilled my soul if heaven rejoiced over the salvation of one soul this morning. Wherever you are, whatever your need, maybe you're wayward, maybe you're backslidden, I don't know. But could you just take this moment? Could you take this little opportunity to let the eternal purpose of God flood your soul this morning? And make you whole. Father, I'm just committing this little broken up service to you. I just pray somebody, somewhere, would take time just to steal away for a moment to surrender all that they are. In Jesus' name. Bread of heaven. Oh, bread of heaven.
want to surrender all it just takes a moment whom the sun sets free will be free indeed takes a moment why don't you just invite him into your heart why don't you just invite him and say Lord take over my soul you'll never regret it never regret it. Let this unveiled Christ, this mind of God, flood your very being. Surrender. Take this opportunity. God be with you, saints. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.